Hey, so next Sunday, we're going to be talking about our local missions, how Renaissance plans to be mobilized to bring hope uh, to Harlem, to this neighborhood. You do not want to miss next week. Hopefully, we're going to have actually even Principal DeBerry as a part of our service to, to, to be a part of what's going on, uh, how we can bless this school. And we are very, very excited about the things on the horizon. Uh, so please make sure you don't miss that. But for today, we have uh, a real treat. Uh, one of my favorite people and certainly one of my favorite preachers, my boy Mike Kelsey is in the building, going to be with us today. Welcome him up as he comes. The church I grew up, they would say, welcome him as he comes in his own way. Like, what is, I don't know what that means. <laughs> like, he's going to walk, right? <laughs> but welcome as he comes his own way. Hey, so fun fact, my wife made sure to say this, I say this, that this is her friend that I am now able to be friends with. <laughs> uh, so Mike and his wife, Ashley, uh, they've been friends with Jessica since college. And Mike, fun known fact, Mike actually married uh, me and Jessica. Look at your boy. I think we got the photo. Okay. You see that? See the suit? Yeah. Right here. Jessica was crying. Um, I didn't because I'm a G, so. Um. <laughs> uh, but we are in for you a real treat. I definitely cried. I definitely cried. That's actually, that's very true. Um, but we are so grateful for Mike um, and how he, he serves uh, his church and how his, he's going to serve us today. So I'm just going to pray and then uh, get out of his way. Uh, Heavenly Father, I'm grateful for my brother. I'm grateful for this time. I'm grateful for your people. God, you know all of the ways that we need to hear from you. So God, I just pray that you would meet us exactly where we are. Bless us and keep us. In Jesus, let me pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to be in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. If you're new to church, maybe you came with a friend. Maybe you didn't know you were going to church and you showed up. Uh, we're going to make it super easy. We're going to be in one verse today. As a matter of fact, we're going to be in one half of one verse. And so this is your lucky Sunday. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. And uh, I was, um, as I was thinking about this verse, it made me think about a story that my mom told me and my brothers about when she was younger. She went to an amusement park, like a water park. And uh, she saw this huge water slide. And so she was super excited to get on it. And she's about to get it. I mean, it's just going to be amazing. And so she's getting on this water slide. Now, the problem is she can't swim. So she gets on it. And she didn't really think about the fact that at the bottom of the water slide, it drops you into a what? A pool of water, right? And so she gets on the water slide. And she's coming down. She's, like, screaming, living life on the edge. Like, everything is amazing. And then she gets dropped in this pool of water. And she literally starts drowning. Like, literally, she is, like, flailing in the water, karate chopping the water, like, going crazy in this water. She's literally drowning. And when she would come up for air, she could hear voices like people trying to uh, yell out to her. And then she would go back down underwater. And so she's struggling, like, losing her life in this joint. And so she's hearing the voices get louder and louder and closer and closer. And she finally begins to be able to make out what people are saying. And this is what they're saying. Sit up. <laughs> Sit up. She was in two feet of water. And I tell, like, people this story, and they're like, oh, is this, like, it's probably, like, a childhood? Like, no, she was a grown woman, dog, like an able-bodied adult in two feet of water. And listen, here's the tragedy of it, right? She just didn't know. She just didn't know that she didn't have to, like, flail around like that. She just didn't know. And here's the sad part, right, that so many of us, like, trying to live the Christian life, but even if you're not a Christian, just trying to live life, 
so many of us don't know that we don't have to just kind of flounder around life the way that we are. That God has actually given us a way to live uh, a, a, a victorious life. And, and here's what I know about a place like New York, right? There's some of you, right, when we talk about that, you're like, I'm not floundering. Like, my life is amazing. You know what I'm saying? And, and you're in that same pool of water, but you're swimming. You're backstroking in that joint, right? But you're backstroking in, in, in a kiddie pool. It's two feet. So you look to everybody else to super impressive, but listen, but you're, you're, not, you're not struggling, you're, you're coasting. You're not struggling, you're settling. And you can make yourself feel like you're living this awesome life, but you know deep down, even if you don't talk to anybody about it, that you're living beneath the potential, not that everybody else says you should live, but that God has created you to live. And so whether you're struggling in two feet of water or, or whether you are settling for two feet of water and God has designed you to live in this ocean of his grace and his experience. Listen, I think Romans chapter 8 has something uh, for us. So Romans chapter 8 verse 11, we're going to unpack it one half. I'm going to read the whole verse. We're just going to unpack one half of one verse and uh, talk about uh, how, it, how it applies to our lives. So this is what the Apostle Paul writes. He says this. He says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in you. Now, let's pause there just for a second, because in the original Greek language, this is not a hypothetical if. This is like a definite if. You could translate it, since the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. If you are in Christ, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus, since the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. What Paul is arguing here in the flow of the whole kind of chapter, what he's saying here is, listen, sin causes death. But if you are in Christ and if you have the Holy Spirit, even if your body dies, and it will, the same spirit that physically rose Jesus from the dead, that same spirit, you're going to experience a physical bodily resurrection just like Jesus did. That's his argument. But I remember reading this uh, verse, reading through Romans, just in my, my kind of devotional time, just the time you, I spend with God reading the Bible, praying, and I'm reading through this, and I could not get past the first half of that verse. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, stop, hold up. The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. The apostle Paul says the same Thing in a different way in a later letter, his letter to the Ephesian church, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 to 20, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Why, why would he pray that the eyes of their heart be enlightened? Because you can, you can know it and not know it. You know what I'm saying? You can know it and not really be consciously aware of it. I pray that your heart will be enlightened so that you may know his incomparably great power toward us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. What Paul is saying here in Romans and in Ephesians and all throughout the New Testament is that the, the reality that that power, the Holy Spirit, lives in us, it should change the way we live our life. It should change the way we live our life. So I want us to do a little bit of theological reflection for a minute. So just hang with me. I want us to kind of really wrestle with this doctrine of the Holy Spirit for a little bit so we can kind of grasp the weight of what Paul is saying. 
But then here's my main point. Let me give it to you up top. My main point is just one main point, and it's a question. Here's the question. The question is this. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then what practical effect should that have in your daily life? If that's true, then what effect? How should it actually shape the way you live your daily life? So let's look at the verse, the one half of the one verse. Two truths in that half of a verse. One is the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. So let's talk about it. The Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. Now, first thing to understand, if you're kind of new to the Bible or new to Christianity, the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. To be specific, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Father, Son, and what? Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person, not an invisible energy, not an impersonal force, not the personification of God's power. What do I mean? If we look at nature, right, and we look at all of the stuff happening in nature, we give it a name. What do we call it? Mother Nature. Do we mean that there's actually a person called Mother Nature? No. We're looking at the kind of functions and forces of nature, and we're just personifying it and giving it a name. Some people treat the Holy Spirit like that. Like, no, it's just like when things happen, we give it a name called the Holy Spirit. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit is actually a person, a person. So we don't refer to the Holy Spirit as an it. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is, is, is he. He is a person. The scriptures present God the Holy Spirit as equally divine with the Father and Son, and yet, so equally divine, and yet eternally distinct. Separate person, three in one, God in three persons. Now, as you read through the New Testament and you think about what Paul just said, the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead, a question should come to your mind. Who actually raised Jesus from the dead? Was it God, the God the Father raised Jesus from the dead? Because the same author, the Apostle Paul, Galatians 1.1, he says, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ. And get this, and God the Father who raised him, who raised Jesus from the dead. Did the Father raise Jesus from the dead? Did Jesus raise himself from the dead? Because that's what, that's what he said in John chapter 2, like they were looking at the physical, actual temple and Jesus says, destroy this temple, and in three days, I'll raise it up. But he was speaking of the temple of his own body. He says, I have authority to lay my life down and take it up again. So Jesus said, I'm going to raise myself up. So did the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit raise Jesus from the dead? The answer is yes. <laughs> All of them. You know what I'm saying? Like. The, the work of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is so intertwined that, that their work is seen in Scripture as a partnership where everyone is involved. And so I want you to just think about it for a second. And this is important because I want you to think that the Bible has the, is contradicting itself. Like you look in Genesis chapter 1, right? God, the Father, created everything that, that, that exists out of nothing. God, the Father. But then in Colossians chapter 1, it says all things were created by who? By Jesus. It's the same thing when it comes to our salvation, us coming into a relationship with God, us coming from spiritual death to new spiritual life, right? Ephesians chapter 1 says that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all involved in that. The Father planned it, the Son accomplished it in his life, death, and resurrection, and the Spirit applies that salvation to, to our lives. They're, they're all involved. John Owen uh, wrote this. He puts it this way. He says, everything God does he does as the triune God. 
Each person of the Trinity is involved in every action of God. Yet at the same time, each person has a special role to fulfill in that work. He's saying teamwork makes the dream work, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are a team. They work together in everything that they do. Now, why is this important to know? Like some of y'all are like, is this what, like y'all dudes that go to seminary, y'all just sit around and talk about this stuff? Why, why take the time to explain this? A couple of reasons. One, so you know your Bible better. But two, here's what this means. This means that the Holy Spirit is not a consolation prize. The Holy Spirit is not like, he's, he's not just second best. Like when, when we think about this, this means that all the power of God, whether you see it in Scripture attributed to the Father or the Son or whoever, all the power of God is available to you and actively working in you if you have a personal relationship with Jesus. This spirit is not a consolation prize. I remember uh, my family's from D.C., but we lived in Richmond for a while. And we moved back from, uh, to D.C. like right in the early 90s. And that's when Tim's, Timberland Boots, first came in style. You know what I'm saying? They're back now, praise God. You know what I mean? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, we could do away with, with, the, with the hot top fades, you know what I'm saying? But I'm glad Tim's are back. And, uh, and so I remember moving to D.C., and Tim's were in style. And so, like, I didn't want to be just this lame dude, so I, 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 wanted, I wanted these boots. But I didn't know they were Timber. I didn't know the brand. I didn't know it was Timberland boots. So for Christmas, I asked my parents for some tan boots. You know what I'm saying? And so, so after I asked or whatever, I started to realize it was Tim, Tim's or whatever. And so Christmas time comes around, and I get, this, I get this gift, and I'm like, what is it? And I'm like unraveling the joint and all of that, and I get these boots, dog. But instead of having a little tree on the side, it had a dude with a hammer in his hand on the side of the boot. So they played me when I went to school. Right? I was, I was thankful for the gift. You know what I'm saying? To some degree, I was thankful for the gift. <laughs> But it, did, but it wasn't the real thing. It wasn't the real thing. And so many of us feel like the Holy Spirit is kind of a nice gift, but it's not the real thing. Like so many of us think, and I know you've thought this before if you've been around Christianity at all, like, man, I just wish I could have lived at the time where the real thing was available, where Jesus himself in the flesh was there with me. And Jesus says something completely opposite. He tells his disciples, it is better that I leave so that I might send the helper, the Holy Spirit. He says, it's like, wait a minute, Jesus, hold up, hold up. It's better, he says, it's better that I leave so that you can get the Holy Spirit. Like, you're not getting the, the dude with the hammer. You know what I'm saying? You're getting the fresh butter Tims. Like, you're getting the real deal. All the power of God, all the power of God is available to you through the Holy Spirit if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. And this is what I really want you to meditate on. It was not a difficult thing for him to do. Like, he didn't exert any energy this wasn't like, hard. he wasn't exhausted after raising Jesus from the dead. It's, this is something that's impossible for man to do, but it was easy for God the Holy Spirit to do. Listen, as human beings, we're capable of a lot of great things, but we're limited in our humanity. All of us, we have these limitations, right? We can accomplish many things, but we still need to sleep at the end of the day. So I want you to think about this, right? The most powerful soldier can fight off an opposing army 
but he cannot resist the power of his own body. He's weak. He can be a, a, a samurai warrior. At the end of the day, you got to go to sleep. Right? Think about, think about our medical advancement. Praise God. We don't have to die from a common cold anymore or anything like that. But thousands and thousands of years of human history and a headache can put you on your back. Some of y'all with migraines, you know, right? A, a headache can shut you down. Like we are limited in our humanity. We got anti-aging creams. You know what I'm saying? We got all this stuff. And in some instances, we can legit like through healthy eating, healthy living, whatever, we can legitimately extend our lives by a little bit. But guess what? Death still goes undefeated. Death still goes undefeated. We don't have ultimate control over our bodies. We cannot conquer the power of exhaustion. We can't conquer the power of sickness. We can't conquer the power of death. But the Holy Spirit is able to do what we in our human limitations cannot do. What is impossible for us is easy to God, the Holy Spirit. And so he raised Jesus from the dead, and that same power is in us, man. It's in us. It's working in us. If you think about I know y'all have been studying uh, um, the gospel of Luke, and Luke is the same writer that wrote the, the book of Acts. You look at Luke and Acts, and just think about this for a second. Think about Jesus' disciples. Like his disciples, most of them were like fishermen. This is not the elite of society. You know what I'm saying? These are the people that everybody in society would overlook. They don't really amount to anything. They, weren't, they couldn't even get a gig with a rabbi. You know what I mean? They, they, couldn't, they, they weren't even qualified to have a relationship with any kind of rabbi. Like in our modern day, this is the bus driver. This is the FedEx worker. This is, the, right? this is not the person killing it on Wall Street. And Jesus uses them. How? Because, because they received, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, they received the power of the Holy Spirit. And when that happened, they became his witnesses. You think about Peter. One of the most confident, bold, like, Jesus, I'm, I, I'm dying with you, man. And as soon as Jesus dies, he, he denies Jesus. He turns his back on Jesus. He walks away from his faith. Now, how did he go from that moment to what we see in Acts chapter 2, where now all of a sudden he's standing in front of thousands of people preaching the gospel boldly? How? Because of this same power of the Holy Spirit. And so, so many of us, man, we feel like there's no way I can live the kind of life that God has created me to be. And you know what? In your own power, that's true. But praise God, we're not left to our own power. That same Holy Spirit, if you are in Christ, if you have a personal relationship with Jesus, that same Holy Spirit lives, lives in us. This is the promise of the new covenant. I won't read it. You can read about it in Ezekiel chapter 36, right? That, that the Holy Spirit would, would not just visit us, but would permanently live inside of us, would, would work inside of, of us. Now, I, I remember um, some of us are like, uh, that, that don't sound like it. Like, to me, if you grew up in church, like, that might sound like me saying, you breathe oxygen. You'd be like, okay, cool. It, it's not, it just sounds like whatever. For me to say the Holy Spirit lives in you, it just doesn't, it's like you've heard that your whole life. But listen, I was watching, uh, uh, I, I try, my wife and I, we really try to raise our kids to like appreciate and value the things that are most important to God. You know what I mean? And so uh, Christmas time, I made them watch Home Alone. You know what I'm saying? I was like, nah, y'all going to learn these cultural artifacts. You're not going to embarrass me 
out talking about you don't know what Home Alone is. And so, so I made him watch. I got a six-year-old and a three-year-old. I made him watch Home Alone. And if you don't remember Home Alone or if you've never seen it, we, there's prayer down front <laughs> after the end of service. Um, so Home Alone, remember like the, they, uh, like the family's getting ready to go on, on vacation to France and they leave Kevin by accident at home. They get on a plane, whole extended family. They think Kevin is with them and they realize Kev, they left Kevin at home. And so they get to France, and they get off the plane, and the whole family scurries throughout the airport, and they go, because they, they want to call anybody at home and see, can somebody go, you know, get Kevin? He's, he's left at home. And I remember having this unsettled, weird feeling while I'm watching, and I realized why. It's because they were using pay phones. I was like, yo, this is so crazy. They were using pay phones. And I want you to imagine, like, imagine telling yourself back then that you would have that in your pocket. It changes everything, right? Or think about when the internet came out. Some of y'all younger millennials are like, what do you mean came out? <laughs> like, in the beginning was the internet, and the internet, like, no. The internet had a beginning. It's not eternal with God. Like, like some of us remember when that joint came out. It, we, it was called the World Wide Web, you know? That's what WWW stands for, right? People were using Yahoo back then, like, don't nobody use Yahoo, you know what I'm saying? If you work for Yahoo, sorry. But, but just think about, think about when the internet came out, like, there's some inventions or some changes that are just, like, they, they have an incremental effect. The internet literally created new categories of reality. It didn't just change the way we communicate, it literally changed the way we live. And listen, for, for, for the biblical audience to hear this new covenant promise that the Holy Spirit would permanently live inside of you, it was an unprecedented, almost unimaginable reality. This thing changed everything. It changed everything. I mean, it would have thought to, wait, 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 the same Holy Spirit that came upon Samson and gave him that kind of supernatural power. You're saying that that spirit is not going to just visit me and help me. It's going to always be available to me in my day-to-day life. The same spirit that anointed King David and empowered him to do what he does, that same Holy Spirit is going to be permanently available to me through Jesus Christ. It would have been absolutely breathtaking. It would have been revolutionary. This is a revolutionary thing that the same power, the same Holy Spirit, the same person, that raised Jesus from the dead, that was involved in creation, who who worked throughout all of human history, that same power is available to you. And if if you have a personal relationship with Jesus, is already actively at work in you. Man, that is a revolutionary thing. And listen, this happens immediately at the same time when you're born again through faith in Jesus. You don't have to pay nobody for it. You don't have to beg for it. You don't have to tarry for it. You don't have to speak another language for it. You don't have to do any of that. Listen, all you have to do is put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, his life that you could not live perfectly, his death that you deserve, his resurrection that gives you this kind of power. All you have to do is put your trust in Jesus, and he takes care of the rest. He has promised that for all those who are in Christ, he would give you the power of the Holy Spirit to live the life that God has designed you to live. But here's the thing. It's not just enough to know that intellectually. 
Like I said, you can know it and not know it. You can know it and not really be aware of it. And that's why Paul prayed that prayer. We read in Ephesians uh, chapter 1 that your eyes would be enlightened so you would know this power that's available. And so an awareness of the indwelling Holy Spirit should have a practical effect on your life. And so here's here's the question. Here's our, our main question. If this is true, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then what practical effect should that have on your daily life? Does it actually make any difference in the way that you live? If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, two things, and we're done. Just to reflect on. Number one, it means that you don't have to live a defeated life. You don't have to live a defeated life. You don't have to be my mom in two feet of water, wilding out. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't have to live that way. And some of you think you do because you always have. And so I think about, you know, people, um, my, uh, uh, my grandmother, um, about, about three months ago, she fell down the steps. So she lives in a row house in D.C., super steep, fell down the steps, and praise God, only broke her rib. It wasn't anything like super dramatic. She's in her 80s, so it could have been bad. But she was in, she went to the ER, and then she was in physical rehabilitation facility for, for a while. And I want you to imagine like her PT person saying to her, okay, all right, Jesse, that's her name. All right, Jesse, it's time to walk. And imagine my grandmother saying, but I don't have strength in my legs. Like, and this is literally what happened to her because it was like two, three months of her just in, in bed. Like some of those muscles start to atrophy, especially at her age. And just imagine her being like, I don't have any strength in my legs. And the PT person's like, okay, I, I hear you, but just walk. I don't have strength in my legs. Well, just take us. I don't have strength in my legs. How will she know whether or not it's true that she has strength in her legs? To walk. That's the only way. She can kind of know it up here, but there might be something in her that kind of thinks, even if she kind of believes it in her head, if she never takes a step, she's kind of like, it may not be true, though. The only way for her to know is for her to do it. It's the same thing when it comes to the power of the Holy Spirit. Like, don't focus on trying to get more of the Spirit. If you have a relationship with Jesus, you already have all the power of the Holy Spirit that you will ever need. The only way you can experience the power of the Holy Spirit is to begin to do what the Spirit empowers you to do. To live out the truth of the Bible that you read about and that you learn about. And the Holy Spirit, listen, don't focus on the Holy Spirit trying to transform, going zero to 60, trying to transform you into a completely different person. But focus on, like the Holy Spirit empowers you to take the next step. And so there's some of, some of us who think, I can't overcome this sinful habit. I just can't. I cannot break this particular habit. And I know that feeling. I knew it sexually before I was really, really walking with the Lord and really experiencing his power in that way. And even in my life now, like, I know, like, a big thing. It may not seem like a big thing. It's a big thing for me, like, impatience. Impatience. Man, we got, I, I got a wife. We got a six-year-old, a three-year-old, and a, and a kid on the way. And, and, and my three-year-old son, man, he is cray-cray. Like, he's crazy. You know, he's crazy, and he's not like my daughter who would just sleep eight to eight from, like, the time she was, like, two months old. My man wakes up on chest, like, at all times, like, all throughout the night. And, like, and so I struggled. Like, there was a season legit where I just really, I was mean towards my wife. I was mean and irritable towards my kids. I was super stressed out. Even like some of y'all are like, you're, you're a pastor. How are you, you know what I'm saying? Y'all think Jordan just like sits around, you know what I'm saying, like this. 
No, like, it's hard work. We do work. You know what I'm saying? So just like you have work stress, like, so it's work and family and all of this stuff. And, and it was just caving in on me. And so I was taking that out on my family. Super short, man, short fuse, like all of that. And this became literally, it was during that season that this verse jumped out at me. Like, God, I, holy, I need you to make me a more patient person. And God's like, okay, that's my responsibility to make you a more patient person. Here's what you need to really believe at 3 a.m. when your son is screaming his face off. That in this moment, I can give you the power that you need to get up out that bed without screaming, walk down that hall, and say, hey, buddy. You need anything? Like that, that's Holy Spirit power, y'all. That's the, that's the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead. So, so, so the spirit gives you the power, right? He, he's promised that if you have a relationship with Jesus and you have the power of the Holy Spirit, he, he who began a good work in you, Philippians 1, he will bring it to completion. He's going to make you that new person. You will experience that how? Step by step. He will give you the power for the next thing. Some of you think to yourself, I can't seem to consistently live with joy. You live a defeated life in that way. I can't, it doesn't matter if the circumstances change. I can't seem to like live with joy. And listen, you might struggle with clinical depression. You might, there might be like a physical or medical issue that you may need to resolve. But for so many of us who struggle with joy, it's a spiritual issue. For so many of us, it is a spiritual issue. And I love what Psalm 4 verse 7 says, this is crazy. I love this verse. It says, you have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. I love it. You've put more joy in my heart. Why? You directly. I didn't muster it up. You put joy in my heart, more joy than they have when they got the promotion, than they have when due proposed, than they have when they're Instagram feed just looks amazing, like, free. if you follow Jordan and Jessica, you know what I'm talking about, like, pyramids in the background all the time, like, all that, you know what I'm saying? Like, you put more joy, like, you put that joy directly in my heart. This isn't something that I just muster up in my own strength. Like, God, the Holy Spirit, can put that kind of joy in your heart because he's designed you to live, not just defeated life. Like, God can give you the power to live, man. The Spirit lives in you. So here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying since the Spirit lives in you, try harder. What I'm saying is the Spirit lives in you, so don't think for a second that God has left you to your own efforts. No, no, no. Listen, God knew that you not only needed forgiveness, he knew that you needed power. Not just forgiveness for the fact that you can't live up to his standards, but you needed power in order to live the kind of life that he's designed for you to live. 2 Peter 1.3 says his divine power has granted to us all things pertaining to or, or everything we need for life and godliness. That is true. And the only way you know it's true is to begin to take the next step that God puts in front of you. So if the spirit of him who, lived, uh, who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, you don't have to live a defeated life. But secondly, you should not live a complacent life. 
You, if, you, if you have that kind of power, you should live a complacent life. Like, I remember, y'all don't, y'all don't drive in New York, but, you know what I'm saying, if you were to drive, uh, like, driving back home, like, I'm on the road, on a one-lane road, and in front of me, it's like a, 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 a Lamborghini, an Aston Martin, or whatever, and I'm, I'm like, the, the speed limit is 35, and like, bro, you going 37, like, yo, you have like a V23 engine, like, why are you driving like that? And I think about that when I think about my life and I think about so many Christians. I'm like, do you really think God has given you that engine, the power of the Spirit? Because this is what we think. Many of us, this is how we look at the Christian life. We think the Christian life is just a nicer version of a secular life. It's just a nice, it's just the, the reason we have the Holy Spirit is so he can help us live how we could live in our own strength, but just a little bit better. And what we see in Scripture is that that's not the power of the Holy Spirit. That's not the Christian life. God gives you the Holy Spirit not just so you can keep living life for yourself, but just be a little more nice with it. He gives you the Holy Spirit so that you can live like Jesus, so that you can live an entirely different kind of life. And so some of us are not, again, like my mom, flailing in in, in two feet, but you're settling and backstroking in two feet. And God is like, you were made to like be a dolphin in the ocean. Like you were made for something much more than this mediocre spin on Christianity that you're living. Like you 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 were given divine power. In order to live like Jesus. So this is what this means, that if you have the Holy Spirit's power in you, like you have divine power to stretch yourself and and love people sacrificially. I'm not just talking about like everybody talks about, oh, just love. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm talking about you have power to pursue opportunities to lay yourself down in order to love other people. I think about my friends who have adopted and they already had kids. I have a friend of mine who has a blog right now, and she, and she got, like, she took heat from people online because she just wrote a blog post admitting how difficult it is and how there's those times where she has regrets. And she's like, man, did I make a mistake? Like, we adopted this kid who has all of this sexual trauma from their past and all of this stuff, and, and what's that going to do to our natural kids and, like, and wrestling with all of that? And so she's wrestling, and you know what she says? It's the hardest thing she's ever done in her life, her and her husband. And they would not take it back. They wouldn't take it back. Like, like the, the, you, you have power to, to, to let God use you to love people sacrifice. Like I mentioned with my son, the moms who are in here, and you feel like you're underwater. You feel like you're underwater. You feel like, I just can't, I don't have, I just, I ain't got it. Like, I don't have any more to give. And I just, you have the, the same spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, is living in you. He can give you the power to keep loving sacrificially, and he can give you the power to do it with joy. Like, he can do it. He can do it. So you don't have to live a complacent life just just living selfishly. But listen, you don't have to live a complacent life by by just constantly living for yourself. Like, you have divine power to do ministry. Like, some of you think, like, oh, Jordan, all these guys, they look at what God uses them to do. But God can do that. He can do that through you. Um, I love uh, what it says in 1 Corinthians 12. 
uh, verse 4 uh, through 7, it says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who, inspired, who empowers them all and everyone. And then I love this verse. To each, to, to each who? To each person who has a personal relationship with Jesus, to each is given what? The manifestation of the Spirit, the same Spirit that raised him from the dead. You're given a manifestation of the Spirit. Why? For the common good. What that means is, like, literally, God gives you superpowers to be able to bless other people. And so, no matter who you are, if you are in Christ, God has given you a ministry. He's given you a divine power to participate in what God is doing through Renaissance Church. He's given you divine power to be used by him in Harlem or wherever you find yourself. You don't have to live a complacent life and just live like everybody else lives where it's all for you. He gives you divine power to say, God, use me to do whatever you want to bless as many people as you want. So those dreams that God has put in your heart to bless other people, you have divine power to be used by him for his glory and for, for the good of others. If you have that kind of Holy Spirit power, you don't have to live a defeated life and you should not live a complacent life. Doesn't mean everything is easy. It means you have divine power. It doesn't mean you always want to do what God has called you to do, but it means you have divine power to do it and to live that out. And listen, this is exactly, listen, this is the, the promise of Jesus that when he went to the cross and he died and he was raised from the grave, that he gives us this power of the Holy Spirit. The band is going to come up and we're going to we're going to uh, take the Lord's Supper. But I, I was just thinking as I get ready to pray, like one, one of the things that surprised me being a parent is uh, how much I love giving stuff to my kids. It, it surprises me because like all of it costs money. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I can't, and you know this feeling, like anybody that you really love, like the joy that you get out of, out of just giving them a gift, out of, out of helping them in some way, and some of us are defeated and complacent because we, the way we look at God is like God, he's this God that just, he looks at us just flailing and floundering. And he's like, what's wrong? Like God doesn't just say, sit up. That's not our God. He actually gives us the power in order to be able to live the life. He said, Jesus himself said, if, if, your, if your earthly fathers who are evil love to give you good gifts, how much more? Will our Heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit if you ask? If you ask. God is sitting on the edge of his seat, longing to give you the power that you need to live the life that he's made you to live. So don't just struggle in your own power, and don't just settle in your own abilities. You've been made to live something way more than you're naturally capable of through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me pray for us. Father, I know, um, because I know my own heart, and I know, I know from sitting in sermons like this before, I know there's people here who, no matter what I've said, Father, there's still a little piece of their heart that says, but nothing's going to change. So, Father, I pray that you administer to that person right in the midst of their situation, in the midst of their struggle, in the midst of their 
complacency, Lord, I pray that you would really minister this truth, that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened so that they will know this power that's available to us. I pray for the person, Father, who's kind of on the edges of Christianity, kind of still trying to figure it out. I pray that they would see, Lord God, that not only is forgiveness available through the cross, but this kind of divine power for them to live the life that you've made for them to live is available to them. And I pray you would draw them, Lord. I pray that all of us, Father, would have less confidence in our own efforts, but much more confidence in your power at work in us. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.